there? Everything going on? All right. Well, we are launching into a new series today, and uh, the title of the series is Dealing with uh, Difficult Days, and it's based on the book of of uh, First Peter. So, a uh, few few kind of uh, maintenance notes for you this morning. One is uh, we're going to be looking at First Peter this morning and uh, all the rest of these five weeks. So um, we're not going to be doing a lot of jumping around. You know, usually I'll bring some different verses from different parts of the scripture for you to tie everything together. But uh, for these next five weeks, we're really going to focus in on First Peter. So this would be a great series for you to bring your Bible uh, to church because I'm not going to put the whole text up there of uh, the whole chapter. So, um, you know, if you've got one of those in, in the house and uh, you want to dust it off and bring it, that would be like really great and awesome. Uh, besides, you're going to need your small groups because I hope you're, you're signed up and in a small group for the next five weeks. Um, and if you don't have one of those things, we will be glad to make sure you get one. So see me or another staff person after worship. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we'll see that you get one, okay? Uh, just so you know, the, the translation that I'm going to be looking at that will be up on the screen, uh, I'm going to be using here for the next uh, five weeks is going to be the contemporary English version. If you look at the side of the binder of the Bible, it says C-E-V on it, right? C-E-V. I'm going to use that one just because it's a, it's a really uh, good translation. It's a simple language for us to, to get a handle on. Um, you, know, you don't have to have that translation, but if you do, it would make it easier. But, you know, if you get an NIV or an RSV, that's okay. Uh, just uh, get, get a V, I guess, right? That's the key. Get a V. Hey, look at that. I'm rhyming today. Roger. Pretty awesome, huh? That's okay. All right. So anyway, uh, just get your V and bring it with you. All right? And that'll that'll make the morning even more meaningful for you, and you can take notes and do all that stuff. You also have sermon notes, as usual, this morning. Yeah, but what's uh, different about the sermon notes is you'll notice there's some additional stuff in there. And that additional stuff in there is uh, for your small groups. And, uh, you know, give you a heads up on stuff you're going to talk about at your small groups and things to think about before small group. Uh, and so you want to take that home with you like you always do to just use it during the week. But you also want to bring that with you to your small group because that will be uh, kind of the, the questions we'll work through and thoughts we'll do uh, in the small group time. Okay? So everybody on board with how the weeks, uh, these five weeks are going to work? Awesome. Let's get into it. Uh, we're, we're talking about difficult, dealing with, with difficult days. And uh, it's one of those things that we can all agree on, I think, that, uh, you know, difficult days come, right? I mean, it, one of the things we share beyond our faith in Christ, hopefully, but one of the things we share is we live in a broken world, and, and because of that, we're all going to experience difficult days. Now, what's really interesting is this is absolutely true about everybody you know. This is true about every person you meet. There isn't one person in the world, whether they're Christian or a non-Christian, no matter who they are, where they are, what faith system they work with, everybody, sooner or later, is going to deal with a difficult day. Am I right? It's the way it is. The real question for us is not, will we experience difficult days? No, the real question is, what will we do when we experience it? How will we receive? How will we cope? How will we deal with the difficult days? That's what we're trying to discover from our study over these weeks in uh, 1 Peter. Because 1 Peter gives us insight into how we Christians, unlike the other people in the world, deal with difficult circumstances in our life. 
And, and we can look into the scriptures and see that the scriptures are not unaccustomed to difficult days. I mean, look at Jesus. You know, we're in the season of Lent, and in, in the season of Lent, we, we kind of look at that period of time when he's, he's in Jerusalem and, he's, you know, heading toward the cross. And, uh, you know, yeah, there was a day when he, he marched into Jerusalem down from the Mount of Olives riding on that donkey. And, you know, all the people were shouting, Hosanna, Son of David, and that was cool. It was a great day. But once he got into Jerusalem, everything changed. And Jesus began to face the difficulties of having scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees always watching and listening to every word he said and, and taking what he said and twisting it out of context and, and uh, always trying to trick him with questions and always looking at he and his disciples and how they behaved and saying, wait, you're not obeying the Sabbath and you're not doing this right according to the law and you're not doing that right. And they even plotted against him. He was experiencing difficult days. Amen? Even Jesus understood what it was to have a difficult, difficult day. His disciples, they too, right along with him, they followed in his footsteps. They had difficult days. And in particular, we're going to listen to the words of Peter. Okay? If you go into the text, uh, it says right away who the book is from and who the book is to. It says, from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's people who are scattered like foreigners in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So it's going to be from Peter. What do we know about Peter? Well, Peter was an awesome disciple. He, he was a guy who had some really high days in his life as he was a follower of Christ, right? I mean, we can, we can remember Peter when uh, Jesus had his disciples there and, and uh, uh, they were in the in the in the boat and Jesus walking on the water and and uh, and they see him and they think he's a ghost and and they go through struggle of that but finally Jesus says to Peter hey Peter step out of the boat come walking on the water and what does Peter do boom steps out of the boat and goes walking on the water pretty cool day pretty cool day or Peter's the guy that when uh, Jesus had him gathered together and he said uh, Hey, who do people say that I am? And oh, really more importantly, who do you say I am? It's Peter that took the lunge forward and he said, you are the Christ. Pretty big day. And, and it's Peter, even after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection on that day of Pentecost, it's, it's Peter that stood up with those thousands of people and said, hey, I want to tell you, you crucified the Lord of glory and it was Jesus Christ. And on that day, 3,000 people came to faith. Whoa, big day. Big day! I mean, Peter had some really high days. But now think about it. Peter also had some really low days, didn't he? On the same day, the same experience, when he stepped up and said, You are the Christ, within minutes, Jesus is looking at Peter and saying, Get behind me, Satan. You're not on the side of God. You're on the side of men. That's a pretty low day when the Master calls you the evil one. Peter had some low days. He's staying in a fire and he's warming his hands. And all it took was for a servant girl, just a servant girl, to say, hey, you're one of those followers of Jesus, aren't you? And Peter would say emphatically, I don't know the man, I don't know the man, I don't know him. No. Pretty low day, wouldn't you say? You see, Peter was very accustomed to some difficult times. And now he writes to a group of Christians who are experiencing 
difficult times. And not just any old difficult times. I mean, not just, you know, a bad day at the office kind of difficult times. They're experiencing difficult times precisely because they were a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, now these Christians that he's writing to, they're not so different from you and I. If, if you go to the next side and you look at the map, uh, I give you the map of, of those regions of where these places are, right? So if you look up there on the, on the right side, see Asia there in the green? And then you see the cream color and the purple and kind of the other green over there? Okay, those are the regions that we're talking about, right? Uh, uh, Cappadocia and uh, Pontus and Bithynia and Galatia, Asia. Th those are the regions we're talking about. Now, what's really interesting is if you look at the map, do you see the red line going through the map? Right? That's, that's Paul's third missionary journey, the Apostle Paul. That's his third missionary journey. And you can see he, he went up from Antioch and he went through Cilicia and he went through the lower part of Galatia and the lower part of Asia, right, on his third missionary journey. Do you notice, however, he did not go any further north? He didn't go to the northern part of Galatia. He didn't go up there near, near Pontus and, and Bithynia, right? He didn't even touch Cappadocia. So who are these Christians? You see, these are Christians who have come to faith in Jesus Christ without having a personal testimony or witness from someone who was an eyewitness to Jesus Christ. These are Christians who believe the gospel that was told to them from other Christians who believe the gospel who heard it from Paul and the apostles. But these aren't frontline Christians. These aren't Christians who are, who are there sitting with Paul and watching him do miracles or Peter or some of the other apostles. These are Christians who have just received the good news and believed it. Not so far away from us, are they? Christians who just have heard the good news. I mean, I don't know anybody in the room sat down with Paul or Peter lately. I mean, besides the scriptures. These are Christians who just heard the good news and they said, yes, I am ready to surrender my life to Christ. The problem? Now in the culture they're living in, difficult days have come to those who follow Christ. Paul did his missionary journey probably in the late 50s. We know by 64 AD there was a guy named Nero on the throne in Rome. Nero had a building plan for Rome. He, he had a great architectural eye and a big building program underway in Rome. Uh, the only trouble is there was some of Rome that he had to get rid of, and so his solution was just burn it. So he burnt portions of uh, the city of Rome. Uh, that's not a good thing, you know, when you're the guy living in the house and your emperor is burning down your house. Not a great thing. So Rome was upset by what was going on and they started to say, who's doing this? And they started to blame Nero. So Nero's way out was to create a scapegoat, to, to point to somebody else. You know how that works, right? When you do something wrong, you want to make it somebody else's fault. So Nero points to somebody else and he looks around the empire and says, who can I blame for this experience? And guess who he picks? He picks the sect. The sect that was, that was kind of in Judaism, everybody up till that point kind of thought, you know, these Christians were kind of this Jewish kind of sect, this splinter group kind of thing. But Nero looks at them and he says, there's my target. And he begins to be, blame the Christians and he made Christianity illegal. 
And from that time on, the church went over, went through severe persecution. Uh, You've probably heard the stories about persecution under Nero. I mean, uh, just horrendous stuff. I mean, he would uh, take Christians for sport and uh, put animal skins on them and throw them in the den with the lions, you know, just for sport to watch the lions rip them apart. One of his most famous things is uh, he was a great, uh, apparently, a a chariot racer. He loved racing chariots, and so uh, he wanted to do it at night. Pretty difficult to do at night, so he came up with a solution. He took Christians, and he covered them with pitch, and he tied them to poles, and he lit them on fire so he'd have an arena that was lit at night so he could run his horses and chariots. Pretty cool guy. Now, that's, that's stupendous persecution, right? The people we're talking about aren't just people who are being lit on fire on poles. The persecution we're talking about that Peter is writing to is the everyday persecution. It's the persecution against somebody who follows Christ that goes, well, wait a minute, you're a shop owner and you follow Christ? Yeah, I'm not going to shop at your store anymore. It's the persecution that goes, well, you're a tradesman and and you've got skills. Boy, but you're a Christian? No, I'm not going to hire you. Oh, I'm the boss, and, and you work for me, and, and I find out you're a Christian. Guess what? You don't have a job anymore. You see the persecution? See, they're going through a persecution in these regions that isn't just this stupendous neuro stuff. It's the everyday stuff. It's the everyday stuff that says, hey, you're a Christian? No, wait a minute. You don't fit in. You're a Christian? No, I don't want anything to do with you. You're, you're a Christian? No. It's the persecution not unlike the stuff we can experience even today. The stuff that people look at us and treat us different and distance us because they know we follow Christ. These people are going through difficult days, and they're going through the difficult days precisely because they're a follower of Christ. And that's an important distinction. These people are being persecuted because they've chosen to follow Jesus. Now, the Roman governors in that time, well, they gave them the option not to. I mean, the Roman governors would have them arrested if you're a Christian, and, and the Christian would come before the governor, and the governor would just come straight at them and say, look, you're a follower of Christ. And say, you've got a chance out. There's a way out. You don't need to go through this stuff. There's a way out. All you have to do is deny this person Christ and worship Nero. Worship the emperor. That's all you have to do. These people are going through persecution that put their Christianity directly online, whether they were going to stand for Christ in spite of what was going on against them in the world. Difficult days. So here's the questions. How do we deal with difficult days that allows us to stand for Christ in spite of it all? Are you with me? How do we deal with difficult days? Because we're a Christian that allows us to stand for Christ. Let's go to 1 Peter and see if we can glean some things uh, from the first chapter. Uh, The first thing I'd I'd want you to see is that uh, Peter invites you to have an attitude. He invites you to have an attitude. Uh, Growing up, every once in a while, you know, hopefully not that often, I can remember at least, my mother would uh, say something to me like, young man, I don't need that attitude. Heard that before? Oh, come on, be honest, you've heard that before. Young man, I don't need that attitude, right? Yeah, of course, come on, sure. Well, you know what? In this case, Peter is saying to us, we need an attitude. We need an attitude. 
Let's look at the attitude. Right away, in uh, the second uh, verse, he says, God the Father decided to choose you as his people, and his spirit has made you holy. You have obeyed Jesus Christ and are sprinkled with his blood. I pray that you'll be kind to... uh, uh, God will be kind to you and will keep on giving you peace. How do we have peace? It starts with an attitude. Notice right away, God the Father decided to do what? Choose you. Do you have that attitude? I mean, the attitude that says, hey, I'm chosen. I'm chosen. God God chose me before the foundations of the world. God had me in mind and God chose me to be part of his people. I am chosen. No matter what I'm going to face today, no matter what this difficulty is, no matter how high it is, it doesn't change the reality. Look, I'm chosen. God chose me. You can see it in the verse. And his spirit has made you holy. Why? Because Jesus Christ sprinkled you with his blood. You're chosen. Jesus Christ went to the cross for you. Jesus Christ gave up everything in life itself for you. You're chosen. Have an attitude in the face of a difficult day that says, you know what? This may be tough. But it doesn't change the reality. It says, I belong to Christ. I'm chosen. No matter what. No matter how hard. No matter how difficult. And and I don't want to underestimate how hard and difficult these things are that you're going to face But nevertheless, remember the attitude that says, hey, I am chosen. And when you apply that attitude into the difficult situation, you can discover a piece about it. I can deal with this. Why? Because I'm chosen. I can handle this. Why? Well, because I'm chosen. You know, this isn't going to get the best of me. Why? Because I'm chosen. You see the attitude? It's that reminder that Peter gives us that says, look, remember the important things. Remember the important things. You are a chosen child of God for whom Jesus Christ died on the cross. Second attitude. He would encourage us to have an attitude of hope. He says, praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it great, by the way, that he can start talking about difficult days and he starts with the word praise God, the phrase praise God. Praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is so good. And by raising Jesus from death, he is what? He has given us new life and hope that lives on. God has something in store up for you in heaven where it will never decay or be ruined or disappear. What a great reminder this is. Difficult days won't last. But the kingdom of heaven will last forever. Our life is only temporary. What we're going through in here is it's only temporary. There, there's something greater in store for us. There, there's something more for us to look ahead toward, right? I mean, you know what happens to us, right? When difficult days come, we get captured by the difficulty of the day. We get captured by whatever that difficulty is. And, and all of a sudden we focus on the difficulty and it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets mountainous and overwhelming to us, right? Peter's encouragement is, look, step back. Get an attitude, an attitude that can see the biggest picture. And in the biggest picture, this is only temporary. In the biggest picture, this is just a small thing in the scheme of things because God has something great in store for you. God has something more ahead for you. You can look for something that will never rot, never decay, never perish, 
have an attitude that looks beyond this problem to the great thing God has in store for you in the kingdom of heaven. You with me? It's an attitude of hope that looks beyond the current problem. Next one, have an attitude of faith, a faith attitude, something that we're grounded in. He says, you have faith in God whose power will protect you until the last day. Did you see that verse? You see, our faith isn't grounded in ourself. What happens in our difficulties, we just get the difficulty, it gets overwhelming, and then we reflect on ourselves and say, oh, how am I going to get through this? I don't know if I can do this. Guess what? You can't. But there is one who is greater than you who can. Peter's reminding you right away, look, have faith in God, and look where your faith is. His power is greater, and it can protect you until when? The last day. See, is there anything that's going to happen to you from this day until the last day that God can't deal with? Of course not. God is greater than any difficulty that you're going to experience. Then he'll save you, just as he has always planned to do. Oh, this is a great word. You ready? Notice Peter is reminding us to have an attitude that says, not only am I chosen, not only can I look with hope and beyond this, but listen, I can have a faith that reminds me it doesn't change the plan. Whatever this difficulty is, whatever the challenge is, it doesn't change the ultimate eternal plan that God has for my life. It's going to be hard, yes. It's going to be difficult, yes. Absolutely. Not undermining that, not underestimating that. It's going to be painful, but it doesn't change the plan. It doesn't change what God ultimately has in store for us and how he can use us. He says, on that day you'll be glad even if you have to go through many hard trials for a while. Your faith will be like gold that has been tested in a fire. And these trials will prove that your faith is worth much more than gold can be, that can be destroyed. They will show that you will be given praise and honor and glory when Jesus Christ returns. Do we have any investment people in the room? How much is gold up to? Skyrocketing, right? How much is your faith worth? Priceless. Huh? Priceless. He's, he's reminding us of what's really important. In the difficult days, what counts? In the difficult days, what counts is our faith. Our faith in a God who is greater than any difficulty that we face. It's more valuable to us than our bank accounts. It's, it's more valuable to us than, than any of the stuff in our garage. It's more valuable because that's what pulls us through the difficult days. It's an attitude that says, listen, my faith, my faith and my God is greater than this difficulty. It may seem big, it may seem overwhelming, but guess what? God is bigger. God is bigger. Peter wants us to have that kind of attitude that just says, yeah, it's hard, yeah, it's tough, but God is bigger. Then he ends up uh, the, the section with just a great assurance to us, a, a great assurance. It's the I'm not alone assurance, right? He says, you've never seen Jesus and you don't see him now. This is an important one. Remember we talked about these Christians, right? Had they seen Jesus? No, they hadn't even seen Peter or Paul or any of those guys, and yet they believed in him, right? They hadn't seen him, 
yet they believed him. And you don't see him now. Isn't it so true that when difficulties come our way, somehow we start asking the question, well, where's God? Like we can't see him, right? I mean, difficulties come, and somehow it leads us to say, well, well, you know, where's God? Where's Jesus in all of this? Like somehow we can't see him. What Peter wants us to grab onto is an assurance that even if you can't see him, he is still with you. It's a matter of faith that even though you don't see him now, but still you love him and you have faith in him. Even if you can't see him, it doesn't change the assurance that Jesus Christ is with you. He went to the cross to prove that to you. He went to the cross to show you that there is nothing in this world no difficulty, no challenge, no pain, no sorrow that he's not willing to experience with you. He went through the cross to prove that to you. And Peter reminds us, listen, even though you may not feel it right now, even though you may not see it glaringly, it doesn't change that Jesus is walking this experience with you. You're not alone. But you love him and you have faith in him. And no words can tell how glad and happy you are to be saved. That's why you have what? Faith. That's why we got it. That's why he brings it into our life. That's why he creates it for us. Is that when we face this difficult stuff, we can have the assurance we don't face it alone. There's not a breath we take. There's not a moment we experience that Jesus Christ isn't willing to experience everything right along with us. Then he ends the chapter. And he ends the chapter with some kind of confusing stuff about, about the prophets. And a lot of folks get into the end of this chapter and they're going like, wow, did we just take a left turn? Where is he going with this stuff, right? Um, he's talking about the prophets. But let me, let me try to summarize and, and, and bring a point to you out of what, what he's saying there. You can read the whole section uh, on your own later and think about this. But the reality is that we have been prepared for difficult days uh, because of the prophets. And we know more than the prophets. Think about this. Today, sitting in your chair right now, you know more than the prophet Isaiah knew. Sitting in your chair right now, as a Christ follower, you know more than the prophet Jeremiah or Ezekiel ever knew. How's that? But you see, the prophets, when the prophets looked at what God was going to do in Christ, they looked at like mountain peaks, right? They looked at mountain peaks and they, and they saw the, the big things of what God was going to do in the Christ who would come. And, and, and they saw another mountain peak with another big thing that God was going to do in the Christ who was coming. And another mountain peak, another thing God was going to do. But you know what? All they could see is the mountain peaks of what God was going to do. What they missed was the whole story of the valleys in between each mountain peak. You know the whole story. You know the whole story. You know more of the whole story of Jesus Christ coming into this world than the prophets ever did. God has prepared you this day to deal with any problem that comes into your life in faith through Jesus Christ more than the prophets were ready to face what they faced. Isn't that incredible? Do you ever think about that? You see, you know more. 